Hey there, Danny with Right Foot Down. I messed up this ad read so many times because I really want to tell you about Track Monkey Apparel. They make great quality, enthusiast shirts along with hats, stickers, watches, patches, you name it. A couple of my personal favorites are their Life is Better at the Track Tee and their One Track Mind Tee. You should really check them out and see for yourself. Their products are great for you or the gearhead in your life. Visit trackmonkeyapparel.com. You're listening to the Untitled Car Show in partnership with RightFootDown.com. Visit RightFootDown for your daily automotive fix. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend. It's the best way to support this show. If you want to visit the archives, go to YouTube and search for Untitled Car Show. That'll bring you to the archived episodes. If you want to follow this show, just search for Untitled Car Show on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can always send an email to the show at untitledcarshow at rightfootdown.com. We're so glad you decided to spend the next hour or so with us. Without further ado, let's get into today's program. Uh, hello and welcome to the Untitled Car Show. Uh, I am Ike. And today we have our West Coast correspondent, Ryan West, joining us. Ryan, thank you for joining me this evening after a wonderful time delay that I apologize profusely for. Uh, not a problem at all. I apologize for the delay of getting back on the show by, by my count, nearly three or four months. Yeah, what we were going to do, the idea was to have Ryan come in and tell us what's happening on the, um, I believe as the kids say today, the West Saeed. Um, West Saeed. Exactly, yeah. so you can yeah. do that better than I can, for obvious reasons. So, um, But life, uh, as we know, finds a way of getting in the way. So it's been a few months, so... Right. I've done a lot of cool a lot of cool stuff in the meantime, So, yeah, I mean, you... and written about almost none of it. I have <laughs> lots of uh, drafts saved on my computer of like fragments of articles that I'm sure Will would just really appreciate that I throw up on the website as they are. Seeing mm-hmm. as I don't contribute content anymore, <laughs> well, we we gotta we gotta do it where uh, there needs to be a Ike and Ryan section on the uh, right foot down, uh, you know, page where it's just Reich or yeah, Reich, Ike and Ryan's incomplete thoughts, yeah, and it'll just be like a like forum of just like all the like stuff we've like written 80% of the way because that's what seems to be with me is I get about 80% in and I'm like ooh something shiny and I wander off to the shiny thing see the thing about doing the writing for right foot down which is great they're great guys and they put out great content Uh, I feel self-conscious putting in writing stuff and I think part of the reason is I've always written for school and there's a hard deadline like it has to be in by 1201 on this day or you get no credit so eventually like i will retype a sentence in my head three or four times before i'm satisfied with it and i find with these articles i just keep going back and changing over and over and over and over again by the time i'm done changing them it's like oh that was news from six months ago cool (laughs) never mind so i need to either work out with will some kind of like punishment reward system where he like Amazon's me a Tootsie Pop every time I submit an article or something so that I can have some kind of tangible thing to do. Because when it's a hobby, which it is right now, 
It's like, oh, I've got school, I've got work, I've got my daughter, I've got my fiance. I like going and traveling. I like going and doing all the stuff. So it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta, we're gonna, I'm going to have to figure that out. We'll have a little, a little discussion about that. Mm-hmm. I think what we'll do is we'll send you, we'll Amazon you a taser. And every time you don't write up something, we'll just get you to tase yourself. I think that's the best way Excellent. to do it. Excellent. That's even better. Let's go yeah. the other way on that. Absolutely. Uh, ooh. Fantastic. Ooh, no, so um, I'm sure there is a electronic dark bark collar that operates by like some sort cool. of like internet enabled remote. That would be fun. That would be good. Yeah, I think there we'll, you go. I think we'll do that. And then okay. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because um, those things. I don't think they hurt that bad, but most people seem to think that they hurt pretty bad. So uh, me and electricity you know, I, get I along know. for some reason. So hmm? I wouldn't know. And when we had a dog. Um, the electric shock collar we got her, it also had a vibrate function, which was more of just like a, hey, pay attention type deal, and we never, I don't think we used the shock feature ever. Mm. We always did the vibrate thing, and my dog would turn around like, wait, what? What's going on? Oh, okay, yeah, you want me to be over here? Cool. Yeah. It was never, so I don't know how well the shock thing works. Mm. Well, we put it on uh, a... Your daughter? <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. No, we put it on a, uh, you know those little invisible fence things? Uh, we locked someone, we put them, put it on them when they got drunk and passed out, put the invisible fence around their bed, and then super glued the latch closed on that so they couldn't take it off easily. And, uh, nice. yeah, that's a good way to uh, fuck with someone after a hangover. So they did not appreciate that sounds it. sounds like a good call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's especially fun when you have to get the scissors really close to your neck to cut it off. That's always fun. So yeah. it's an expensive prank, by the way. Those things ain't cheap. Of course. Yeah. But if you got the shit laying around, why not? Um, yeah. Invisible fence or whatever the hell those things are called. So um, <laughs> uh, what's weird, too, is so for those listening, uh, for like the first time like ever, uh, I actually have two devices working in sync. I have a dedicated rig and I have the... Um, chatbot come up uh and so i can like chat i can check twitter i can check stuff and i can talk with ryan and like <laughs> ryan sending me stuff in the chat and i didn't realize how utterly distracting this about this would be and uh i don't know what prius thing you're talking about so i did a prius thing um or did you do a prius thing i'm so confused right now we're so we're trying to be professional I and I, you're I, supposed I, to lead me I did a Prius thing. Oh, that's right. See, so I'm supposed to go from electric. Speaking of electricity, Brian, didn't you do a Prius thing? I did do a Prius <laughs> thing. The professional. We're I, good at uh, this. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I received an email. Gosh, I don't even remember when I got the email. I want to say it was in, like, October or November um, from the people over at Self Racing Cars, which is kind of a locally take on the whole self-driving cars at the track. Um, they've got a lot of cool stuff coming up that I'm going to probably get into in more detail sometime in the near future. But on uh, on a more current note, they put out a thing that said, hey, uh, Toyota's doing this thing that we really want to, that we think would be cool. So we're sending it out to all of our media people. If you guys want to get involved, let me know. Um, and they do a lot of stuff. Like, for example, they were going to go test drive the Renault Twizy. Whatever the little golf cart-looking electric one is. Yeah, no, Twingo, They're, I think. No, it's smaller than that. The Twingo is like an actual 
hatchback. This is like a literal pod resting on a battery pack. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was in a Top Gear episode right before that became the Grand Tour, I believe. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, they were going to go test one of those. Like, oh, so if you can come to Fremont uh, tomorrow, and it was tomorrow at, like, 2. So not only do I have work and school, but also it was, like, 170 miles away from my house. But they're usually really good at sending out stuff that would be cool that I would love to go do um, while I can't do it because they gave almost no notice, which is great. But the Prius thing was going to be sometime well in the future. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll I'll sign up and do that. Um, I emailed the Toyota Technology Center, Toyota something or other. They have a – and I talked all – they talked all about it, told me about it. It was great, but I don't remember what the actual name was. It's – they got an endowment from Toyota, and they're, like, kind of owned by Toyota but kind of not. And, like, Mm. the CEO of Toyota is the chairman and all this weird stuff, but the CEO of the company is like a higher-up doctorate and research guy. Um, and they've done a few events on, they have an East Coast office and a West Coast office. Their West Coast office is, of course, in Silicon Valley, and they were trying to do a lot of, um, you know, tech. They want to do, they want to network with like-minded professionals in Silicon Valley on doing new technology stuff, in addition to it being a kind of a PR exercise, etc., so I believe I was the only – I might have been the only media person there participating as a participant rather than being a media person standing around on the sidelines, which was honestly more fun. Um, so I go to this – they have their initial meeting slideshow, tell you what it's going to be about, down in Menlo Park, which if you're not familiar with Northern California or the Bay Area, Menlo Park is kind of the – ritzy place all the headquarters for facebook and all that kind of stuff just outside palo alto it's more or less the same city um that's where all the big major offices for uh think tanks and if you got an internet startup that's done well it ends up yes there, exactly who, yeah. who are the people that give you the money what's yeah. that called investors uh, yeah rich people Whatever the, anyway, they're all based there um, they all have tons of money to throw at everything. So we go to this cafe that's got a big meeting room in the back. I was the only person there under 32. <laughs> uh, I was the only person there who was not, who did not appear to be employed in, quote, big data. Everybody there worked in big data or they worked in uh, um, technology services or they were computer scientists or all there was no one there that was media and there was there were no students at that meeting at all so that was nice and fun um i went to that and they kind of explained what we're going to do and anyway it's the prius challenge we were going to go to sonoma raceway and the idea was to set the best mpg over the course of a lap and over the course of a race and so there was a minimum and a maximum speed you could do, so you're not just crawling around there. You had to be, I think the average was like 30 or 40 miles an hour. Um, and it was 8 or 10 laps, and you had to be the person who used the least amount of fuel the whole time. And if you were over the time, there was a time penalty. And if you were under, there was a, or a mileage penalty. So there were penalties either way. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've got this open source simulator that we've got set up with these guys who do the research, open source research foundation. And We've got this guy who came to one of our previous events, and he's got a whole timing and scoring system, and you can 
go in and virtually try out a lap with all the parameters because we've already done it. We went and tested it. We had two race car drivers. We can do all this. Uh, yeah. So we did all that. I wasn't on a team. Everybody went in there. Everybody already had their own team. I met a guy who worked in operations at Turo. He was very friendly. I don't recall his name. Um, yeah, great networking, right? <laughs> yeah, great, great job. Yeah, of all the people there that I would have wanted to network with, it would have been him. Um, I asked him to be on my team, and he said he already had a team, all of Turo people. I was like, all right, well, that's out. Um, so they were, it was supposed to be groups of five. So I went down there. I talked about it in the Skype chat, and you all thought it was semi-funny, me being the only true Northern California person there. Everybody else was from the city. And I, like, my town's not a small town, but comparatively speaking, I was the yokel there. Everybody was drinking their Vita cocoa and eating free trade rice granola bars, and I was over in the corner drinking a Coke, having a sandwich. Mm -hmm. I was the only person who had selected those options, apparently. It, what's, so, what's weird to me, I don't know, this is just a random thought I just had, is the more fancy the drink is, the squarer the bottle it is that it comes in. Yes, yeah. I would say that's accurate. Mm -hmm. Not to derail your or, conversation. Or just different, you know? Mm -hmm. Like box so, of yeah. water. Anyway, yeah. anyway get go to the meeting. Point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I go to the meeting. I applied for a hotel room, so I got my first hotel as an automotive journalist oh, given to me you. free. Yeah. which was nice. Um, I ended up being placed on a team with El Diablo Motorsports, which is a team that runs the... And that was the cool part. Is when I went to the meeting, it was all these tech people, and I was kind of rolling my eyes about it and not looking forward to doing it because the questions that were being asked were not those of people who were familiar with performance driving. You know, you've got questions like, um, are we going to have to stop for gas? Because I know driving fast means you use more gas. So is there a gas station we can do? Or how many lanes are there on a racetrack? And do I have to use turn signals? Wow. Uh, qu questions of that nature were being yeah. asked. And it was like, okay, all right, I'm not not super into this. And then I get there, and the team that I'm with is the E0 class winners <laughs> for at least two years at the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill. Yeah, so uh, I would think they would be called ringers in a way. Um, you say that, but it gets even better. So I'm placed on a team with them. I'm in their little email chain, and I didn't realize who they were until, like, the night before. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're these guys. I've talked to you before. I've interviewed you in the pit lane. I've seen your car. You were on the show about the race. And they've got, like, an E36 M3 that's, like, way decked out. Um, they always do super well in the race. If they don't win, they're way up there. Um Way yeah. cool guys. A couple, of, one of them works in insurance. Other, you know, they do all kinds of stuff, and they're they're building that car themselves by hand and setting up different fuel injection. And they've got digital display made out of a tablet or something like that. And uh, so I'm on a team with them, and we get there, and they're like, "How many of us have played around with the simulator?" And I said, "Well, I tried to, but it was like a you could only use the simulator ten times because they were trying to use server time that was donated to them." So you can only use it a couple times, and when I tried to get it to load, it ran like crap, and I thought, oh, it's my computer. Uh, did we come up with an idea for the little data logger? Because they were going to give us an iPad, and we were going to sit in the back seat and coach the driver on how and when to press the gas based on the little data logger simulator thing we had on the iPads to show different lines of, where, of throttle position, speed, all that kind of stuff. 
And so the idea was we were going to coach the person while we were in the car. Um, none of us had played with that. And we kind of looked around and realized, and it's like none of these people have ever been to a racetrack in their lives. None of them. Yeah. So we figured that we could do really well having not touched any of the simulation-y big data tech stuff. We figured that just knowing how to drive on a track, and I was the least experienced person in that team by a massive margin. <laughs> and even I was watching the other teams go around the track. I'm like, that's an awful line. Missed the apex there. Missed the ape. What are you? Why are you breaking? What are you doing? You just cut that person. What? How? And like, I've been around a track like twice. Yeah. Two or three times in my life, max. And I've done some autocross. But the people there just didn't have a clue, it felt like. So we were just in the corner kind of doing our own thing. There was another team there that, quote, flew out their data guy from the other side of the country, end quote. And then they rented two Priuses and then had him give a 100-slide PowerPoint presentation on how to win. So they threw, they had like a dedicated data guy come, borrow two Priuses from somebody, and then he did all the research, and they figured out mathematically what was the best way to win. So they had put hundreds of hours worth of effort into this thing that effectively when you win, you get a medal and your picture taken. It, so whatever makes your penis yeah. feel bigger basically so, right exactly well and they were they were being really it wasn't they were being they weren't being dicks about it they were, everybody was super cool was yeah. the thing so and i guess the the leader guy on that team knew the guys on my team so he had at least been on the track before as well so he kind of knew what was going on um but the amount of effort they put into this project i believe it was ntt data that did all the work for them was like why are you doing what what so they did that, and then the other team was a group of gentlemen from Japan who do this type of thing professionally. <laughs> How? And they had been champions like five times in a row at it, or something like that. Like, this is apparently a normal thing they do in Japan, and wow. this is the best team in Japan. And then, of course, on their team was the CEO of Toyota. Oh. That makes sense. Like, so, oh. so we figured... Amongst yeah. everybody there, if we got top five, we would be pretty stoked. Because yeah. we did, we hadn't messed with it. None of us had driven a Prius of that year before. We hadn't messed with any of the tech stuff. But we're like, you know, we're really good drivers. We can figure it out on our practice laps how to do it, and it's going to be fine. So what happened? <laughs> so I, I didn't know if you had a question or not. So what happened was I am six foot five and quite large. And then one of the other guys on the El, El Diablo Motorsports team, he's also quite a large guy. And you only have to have three people in the car at a time. And so we were trying to do the math in our heads, like, well, because you had to do three stints. You had to come in and pit twice. So we were kind of doing the math in our head, like, well, what's going to be the lightest? Because the other three guys are just sticks. Yeah. Just tiny little 38-year-old coder-type guys. They're, they're super cool, and they were all like way into track stuff, but they're way skinny. Yeah. And like, how do we keep them in the car the most amount of time? And we talked to the rules guys, and eventually we figured out, we'll just have the three of them do it, and we won't even get in the car. Wow. So me and the other larger gentleman just sat in the pit the <laughs> entire time. And we, and nobody else was doing it, but we had, we had the data logger thing in the pit. So we could see the same, we could see the data that was coming off the car. Um, 
and we could see the, our target data and the data coming off the car. The guy in the car could see the target data and the data coming off the car, the guy sitting in the back seat. And then the other guy sitting in the back seat, we had him turn on his cell phone, and we did a group call. Uh, we did group FaceTime audio, and I walked up to the top of the bleachers at Sonoma Raceway, which is really high because it's a big NASCAR circuit for the the amenities and stuff. It's They're designed to do it for NASCAR because they want to get as many people in there as they can. So I walk all the way to the top of where I can get to on the um, grandstand while I'm on the group call, and I was spotting for the guys driving the car, which was apparently nobody else had thought of either. So I was yeah. standing up there telling them, okay, take it easy, there's a guy up here, and there were only a couple pass. There was only two passing zones was the twist they threw in at, like, we're about to get in the car, and then they give us the twist. They're like, oh, by the way, there's only two passing zones. Oh, that's crazy. And so we were like, okay. So the trick was if the car in front of you wasn't using the same strategy you were, you were losing time or fuel or both. Yeah. So you had to decide whether you wanted to use extra fuel to catch somebody and pass them in the passing zone, or if you wanted to wait behind them and use their strategy, oh. which was a big mess. And have you played, have you driven Sonoma Raceway on a video game before? I'm sure I have, if it's been in any of the Forza games. I don't know. Um, it's the track where you get the starting line, and then the first turn is like a steep uphill left corner. I think I've played that one, yeah. Then it like, it's like there's an oval track, and it has like the infield. Um, no. No. I know which one you're talking about, though, but um, no. Sonoma, it's way narrow pit lane, and you come down the main straight, which is not that long. And then immediately it's an uphill left-hander that's a little bit off-camber. And then once it gets to the top, it's off-camber right-hand. And then the rest of the lap, you're kind of coming down the hill around all the corners. They're a bit like big sweepers. But there was no passing zone going up the hill was hmm. the problem. Yeah. So whereas we, understanding how racing and conservation of momentum and all that stuff works, we were trying to build as much speed as we could gently on the street. And then just kind of coasting and using the electric going up the hill, turn left. Whereas everybody else decided that they were only going to use the electric motor to get up the hill. So everyone else is doing two or three miles an hour up the hill. We're doing 20 to 30. And as soon as we would catch every, anybody that was like pretty much stopped on the hill, we would have to slow down and go. So we lost a ton of fuel slowing down because people were going too slow up the hill because it wasn't a passing zone. If that had been a passing zone, we would have come close to winning. We probably would have been top three. But we ended up, um, we got a couple clean laps, and we set the record for the most fuel-efficient lap at Sonoma Raceway. I don't remember what the lap time was, but it ended up being 236 miles to the gallon. Oh, wow one lap and so we had the one lap record by like 40 miles to the gallon easy like we blew whatever the next best one was out of the water by like 30 or 40 so we were pretty stoked about that we ended up getting like seventh or eighth um because our strategy just was not working out with where we kept hitting traffic and when we weren't hitting traffic we were doing good enough numbers that we would have been way competitive but we would just catch everybody at the wrong time and There'd be no passing zones. You'd have to be behind them. And, of course, once it kills all of your momentum, you have to use gas as you're going over the top of the hill before it comes down. So we were hoping to not have to do that with our speed advantage. But it was a fun day out. I appreciated uh, Toyota letting me take place because initially when I emailed them, 
I told them I was a media and they're like, well, we can send you the media credential, but it's different. And I was like, uh, and so I kind of talked to them about it and then they decided to just let me participate. So it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. Um, they gave me a free shirt and we all got medals for being the most efficient single lap, which was neat. Well, this is again to, uh, prove my point here of like, you were, you got a press car before I got a press car and now you've gotten t-shirts before I've gotten them and a hotel. I'm, I'm starting to get a little miffed at this, you know, this is, how is it that the I got a speaker at the LA auto show too. I got a Bluetooth ah. speaker, a JBL one from Toyota. It's just Toyota that likes me. You know, I, the Ford doesn't want to have anything to do with me, but Toyota keeps giving me swag, gives ah. me a hotel. I need to start blowing Toyota's cock. You know what? You, <laughs> I blew the wrong Japanese manufacturer. You know, I, I blew Mitsubishi, and they're they're like the the cheapest thing we can give you is a Mirage because there's not anything that we have that's actually cheaper than those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I can't. I can't. No, it, it's like uh, they're they're always fun at auto show. It's I, I don't know if I said it online, but it it's like. I was talking with them at the auto show, and it's like, you should put, like, a hot engine into Mirage. And the guy in charge of product development is there, and he's like, why? Like, that car sells well. We're not going to touch it. Like, <laughs> why would oh, we do that? Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, if that's their opinion on it, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. if to provide some balance, um, I sat in the IMEA when I was at the uh, LA auto show. Yeah. And the amount you're still paying for what's effectively like first or second gen electric car, how do they sell any of those? I don't think they do. <laughs> I think that's the issue. It's, it was for sale. You, they had a, there was a uh, Maroni on the window. Yeah. You can still buy them. Yeah. Because I don't know why you would, but apparently that's the consensus of everybody I was standing around that day was like, no, it's cool. Like it was roomy. I would much rather have that over like a Leaf, or well, maybe not a Leaf. I'd much rather have that over a spark or something else of that nature. but It's still like a Gen 1 design because it's basically, I forget if it's a Renault Ion or if it's a Peugeot Ion, but it was like their first gen attempt at an electric car, and that was kind yeah. of like, it doesn't make sense as a daily driver for really anyone in, you know, most of the Western world. So Right. Yeah, and the price just doesn't make it. Like again, I like Mitsubishi. It was expensive, whatever it was. I can't remember how much it was, but it was like twenty eight grand, twenty nine, something like that. Yeah, it was pricey, and it was like, uh, I don't know, for a ten, yeah. at ten or eight, you know, even at, for what it was, I, that would be worth it. I would do that. I'd even, consider even doing that for you know, a commuter 20, car. It would have been competitive, but right, you know, I mean, what was a Leaf when a Leaf was brand new? The Leaf was around that price point too, I think. So you could... Well, at, no, the Leaf was around that price point after incentives. The, oh, okay. What I was looking at was the pre-incentive price point. So I'd imagine you could get it down to 15-ish. Yeah, which, I mean... Yeah, that's, that starts to be, for the right person, yeah. a decent call, but yeah. Well, let, let's look at that. So you, you came from the Prius driving event. We've been talking about electricity. Um, mm -hmm. so... Well, I drove an electric car while I was there, too. Oh, I was going to get to the... like. What car did you drive while you were there? Uh, I'm going to look it up right now so I don't butcher the name because I really enjoyed driving it. Mm -hmm. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll go with kind of like where I was going with this of like, there's a bunch of good electric vehicles, and I'll even put in plug-in electric 
hybrids into that list. So like a vehicle like the Chevy Volt, which is not a true electric vehicle, but is as near as makes no difference, really. Right. And there's a lot of these cars where they're getting into the used marketplace and they're getting cheap. Like there's good reason to go out and buy an electric car for a non-enthusiast. Like I said, when I told my one friend who ended up buying a Volt, if I would have known Volt were 15 grand, I'd probably have a Volt right now instead of a Ford Fiesta ST. And like, I don't know like what you got your eye on in that marketplace, but like what car in that field is something that you could see yourself getting that wouldn't make you want to kill yourself. So do you know when I was looking for, I ended up buying a, Oh, another new thing. I ended up buying another Camry. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. While I was looking for a car at that time for my fiance, I went to CarMax and I sat in a Chevy Volt. Yes. Do you remember that? It was like their Prius competitor, but it was a series. It wasn't a series hybrid. It was a no. It's a, a plug-in it's electric. A, it's a range hybrid. extender, not a yeah. gas powered with electric assist. You know what I'm saying? It's like the other way. Yeah, yeah. Closer to like a train as opposed to like a Prius. Exactly. Yeah. Though that was really comfortable. Mm-hmm. No, the trunk space was a bit, eh, but it had it only had four seats. The one I sat in, yeah. But all four seats were extremely comfortable, and the range was like 150 miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, 16 or 17 grand, something like that. Used, it was 16 or 17 grand, and I would not have minded driving that around. It was so comfy, pretty quiet. The handling and performance was nothing to write home about, but it was wasn't any slower than my Camry was. And, you know, it was part hybrid. It was a plug-in hybrid, so it was electric. And, mm-hmm. you know, I very nearly bought that, but it was – I, looking at it at the showroom, I already had range anxiety because my house was like 146 miles away. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, it's going to be a tragedy if I have to stop to charge this to get it home, much less any time I want to go on a road trip, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So – I ended up not getting that, but I wouldn't hate that, and I wouldn't hate the. Uh, uh, have you seen Porsche's new Panamera? Yeah, that's that's. I've seen the Panamera, obviously. I'm not familiar with the specs on their new electric hybrid. I don't quite know. So the Porsche Pan here. Let me pull it up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Porsche Panamera Hybrid Turbo S, I want to say, is in the realm of 674 horsepower. Um, and you can get it, you can get it as the executive one, which is the longer wheelbase. Yeah, uh, I would not mind driving that either. That yeah. would be plenty of speed. It's described in their by their press people as a Porsche 918 with four doors. Well, that's a good way to describe it. That's uh, I wonder what's going to happen to those because the Panameras really haven't struggled on the used market. I, they've kept their value pretty well. It's shockingly well. Yeah, because, like, the Cayman, or what is it, the Cayenne, whatever your SUV is, like, those, yeah, things, those things appreciate after one or two years, they were cheaper than a Tiguan. So, right. um, and, like, a 944 to 924, those things didn't really keep their value. Um, whereas, you know, the Panamera's been keeping it pretty good. I guess it's kind of what everyone's always wanted a Porsche to be, is, like, kind of a four-door executive sedan thing. Right. But getting to the electric thing, no, I like the Volt. And I, the reason I like the Volt is because it kind of fixes that range anxiety issue I have with it because that gas motor can run the wheels. Um, and it does right. if you go over 70, which because it's 
more efficient for some reason. Yeah. Well, uh, because it's the worst part of gasoline engines to stop and go. Even in your car, I'm sure if you only did freeway driving at 55, I'm sure you could eke 40 out of that ST. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I get 34 yeah. in, you know, pre-combo driving unless DC traffic kicks in, in which case it drops down to 26. But, um, you know, it's... And that's how you know you've had a... That's how you know tourists are in town. When it goes from 34 oh, to 26, right. yeah. Um, <laughs> the... I don't know, but, like, a Leaf doesn't make sense because there's no range extender option in a Leaf. Um, right. You know, the same thing, the Mitsubishi is just kind of, you know, it's a French car with a Mitsubishi badge. It doesn't make sense, and it really has no quality to it that make it any better than a Leaf. It just kind of is slightly more spacious, and it takes longer to charge, too, which is weird. Um, I mean, Tesla's keep uh, it value know... too well. Um you know what I did sit in that has also held its value really well? It's pissing me off uh, while I was looking for cars that was too expensive. Uh, the BMW i3. I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah, that's where I was actually going to go. I like the i3 a lot. I especially like it with the uh, motorcycle range extender in it. Like the little motorcycle. Uh, yeah, where it's, uh, yeah. I think it's, I have it right here, 180 mile range. Yeah. And then I don't uh, know what the motorcycle engine, I think it's another 30 or 50 miles, I think. Something like that. It's I want to say, yeah, just electric, it's 100. And so with the bigger regular electric vehicle, it's 60 amp hours, and you get 80 to 100 miles. Yeah. With the 94 amp hour battery, you get 114. And if you have the range extender with the big battery, you can get up to 180. Okay, yeah, so that's what I was saying then. That makes... Yeah. That makes the most sense to me, and I actually really think those things are supremely practical. I've been in one; I like the they're interior. Comfy. Yeah, they're they're it's they look like the future. They really do, and they yeah. feel like it. Which I would say the Volt is a okay looking car, um, and the interior right. is okay. But there's something about the BMW i3 which I think it's uglier, but it looks more like the future. Like I, I can buy that. Yeah. It looks here like if you only use the gas motor in the i3, uh, you get 39 miles to the gallon. Yeah. Which is combined, it's 41 or 37. So it's 41 on the freeway and 37 in town, which is not awful, yeah. or even just for a gas car. Yeah. Well, and you're not getting a lot of power because it is a little motorcycle engine out of the BMW line. Right. But, I, you know, I really like those, and I, I really want to – I really – this is the sad part – I want electric cars to depreciate faster so I can get one. Like, right now, the Volt is about get the only one that makes Fiesta sense. Fiesta E, or not a Fiesta, a uh, 500E. Um, yeah, those were only available in California, though. So that's like a really? forbidden fruit out here. Yeah, they were only available ah, in California. I did not know that. Yeah, it's how Chrysler met their emission, because California's got those extra emission standards out there. Right. And that's how they uh, help that. There's a couple out here in the eastern states, but they've all been brought out from California. Um, I see. So yeah. what you're saying is I should start an export business. You know, that would be a, an interesting, like, California electronic exporter, because there are a couple of vehicles kind of just sold in California just for the sake of meeting California emission standards, and the 500E right. is one of those. Um, another one, so my parents actually got this. They actually got the Focus Electric, which I think is one of the dumbest electric those cars you can buy. Those were fleet only out here for a long time. Only recently have those been um, available as a consumer car. They were fleet only for a really long time. Yeah. 
because my mom had the Fusion and she was bragging about it. And I said, why didn't you get like a plug-in electric? And she said, I would have if they had the um, Fusion as a plug-in electric, but they don't have that. And I went, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. They do. Yeah. At least here. I don't know. I don't know about elsewhere. They, I know they do it here. No, they they have it everywhere in the States, at least. And, <laughs> like, she was crestfallen. Like, oh, well, I didn't know. So I just got the Focus Electric. So, um, which is really weird because apparently you can, because I have the little Alexa for the little Amazon Echo thing, and you can yeah. control, like, you can come downstairs and you can say, Alexa... Uh, I probably shouldn't say this because it'll set off everyone if they're listening to it. But we'll say Amazon Echo uh, turn the air conditioning on in my Ford Focus and it'll turn it on and you can set the temperature, uh-huh. which is very interesting because a couple brands are trying to team up with Amazon for their in-car infotainment and like home connectivity, which I think is a smart move. Like, I think that's a good call as well. Mm-hmm. Um Kind of getting back to the i3, I'm just sitting here kind of flipping through all the specs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, North America, they were like, if you want the range extender, it was close to 50000 for yeah. the big battery and the um, for the big battery and the range extender. But then you got, especially if you lived in California, almost $10,000 in incentives. So forty grand is still a lot, I think, for that car, but they're close. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that cost comes in most, if not all, the body panels I know are carbon fiber. Yeah. Because um, if you open the door, you can see the weave in the corner. Um, if you haven't sat in one, the next time you have an opportunity to do so, because I know that the kind of hybrid electric cars that are funky get kind of a bad rap from the enthusiast market. But I'm serious. Go sit in a BMW i3. It's really refreshing almost. It does feel like the future. And it's, it is a little funky but it's totally functional. You could fit a family of four in there, I think, no problem. You could, somebody, excuse me, somebody could sit behind me without issue, and I usually have the seat all the way back, and um, the fabrics are all kind of cool, and there's this nice, um, the ones I've sat in have this nice uncured wood that's just sanded really well that's supposed to darken over time. And yeah. um, I think, you know, the exterior is unfortunate, but the inside, it's really functional. I think they're really cool, but they're still brand new, a little bit on the expensive side, and even used. Uh, the one I saw was like thirty-seven grand. Yeah. So, you know, and it is what it is. The incentive when you do that, which, but. Oh, right. When you were talking about that, you reminded me of, so um, I heard that like five to eight years ago now, maybe even longer, um, BMW pulled all their M designers and kind of like all their top M level people, which that's why a lot of M people went over um, to the I program. And that's why you right. ended up with the I3 and the I8 and why the I3, I think, ended up being so functional and so well thought out is I think you did have, you know, arguably the best of the best in the business designing a everyday practical vehicle for family to use, which is why I think it ends up looking a little funky because when you really want practicality, the most space you can have on four wheels is a box. It is a little boxy, but the interior is so well thought out and everything fits so well. And, you know, really at $40,000 after incentives, 
as a brand new car, that makes sense to me for a BMW. I just don't know. I think it's a hard sell to the general public and to the enthusiast market because it is such a funky looking vehicle. I really wish we could just start judging cars on their own merit like we do movies sometimes. Like you wouldn't hold Schindler's List and, uh, you know, old school in the same like competition like it doesn't make sense like they're they're two different things and a i3 and an m3 are two different things and you shouldn't be competing against each other you know like i i feel that 100 percent. i i think personally um has my microphone quality changed at all no not really yeah. oh, okay good yeah. uh, my makeshift kind of fuzzy thing came off <laughs> so um uh what was my train of thought there Damn it. This <laughs> is very professional. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to move on and come back to it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the i3 and electric cars, um, do you remember the episode of Top Gear? I don't know, probably back in 2010, 2008, where Richard Hammond went to the Toyota city and they let him test the like wheelchair thing that kind of leaned when you would turn it and it had all the little social functions. And it's just this big like elevated throne. Yeah, and he yeah. was kind of just driving that around in room. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yes. Okay, I distinctly remember, because that was back, I believe it was around that time, um, the t- television show Beyond Tomorrow was on, um, which they had all this like futuristic stuff. And I remember one of the futuristic things they covered was like 3D printers. And I remember looking at it like, wait, you can just, you just put the file in and it just prints it out of plastic? And you can just, t- that's going to be great when they figure that out. Are you kidding me? That's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, and now it's like my friend has a 3D printer and it's been 10 years like that's crazy but they covered this car on there too and it was called the iMove and it was supposed to be this like social mobility device thing um, I don't really know what happened to that I didn't ask them about it while I was there but while you were waiting for your turn because there was two run groups at the Prius challenge I got to drive the iRoad which if you google that real quick and I'll keep talking while you google it so you can see it and the listener can Google as well, Toyota iRoad. Um, it's kind of a funky three-wheel. It's got two wheels in the front and one in the back. Um, and you sit, there's only two seats, and you sit behind each other. It's like motorcycle-sized. Um, electric car, they're saying it's got a range of, like, 30 to 50 miles. Oh, yeah, I saw this thing at the New York Auto Show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Did you get to drive it or no? No, no, it was behind glass, and it was like a Toyota guy. Oh, like, it was behind glass. No, so yeah, we got to drive it. And when you have... Uh, multiple-time NASA um, endurance racing champions drive it. Uh, the Toyota reps get a little annoyed with you, um, as I'm sure you could imagine. But you kind of, when you steer it, the back wheel turns, and the whole thing kind of leans over like you're skiing. Yeah. So it's a really weird sensation to drive, and it's almost like an easy motorcycle, I guess. But the way you're moving your hands and stuff, it reminds me a lot of downhill skiing. So when you kind of turn it left, the whole thing leans over. You can get it leaned pretty far um, when you're going slowly, mm-hmm. or even quickly it'll lean a little bit. But they had two of them there, and they had like a little tiny, you know, super short course that we could drive it around, and everybody got two laps, and then I got back in line and did it again because it was so fun. But it was pretty peppy, um, and despite the constant warnings by all the people to, you know, quit using the brakes so hard, these tires are handmade. And, you know, don't wreck this. This is one of three that's in the North America right now. You know, despite all of those kind of warnings, we're, of course, a group of racing-minded people 
around a bunch of tech people trying to see how fast we can go around a little track. Yeah. Um, it was really quick. I enjoyed driving it, and I wish they had found a way to make it work here. I think they are still working on it. I I remember asking one of the gentlemen who was an engineer, I was asking him questions about it, and they said, well, you know, they have a, a program set up where you can rent them in Grenoble. Um, I believe in Paris you can rent them. I'm not certain. There's a couple towns like that in Europe where you can rent them. And I asked him what the running cost was, and he said you would think – 10 to $15 an hour running costs with tires and consumables and stuff like that. So they were thinking, you know, 15 to $20 an hour to rent it. And you're not using it the whole time. It's kind of like a city bike almost. Yeah. You would park it and then just take whichever one's available would be the ultimate goal. Um, it was really neat. I enjoyed driving it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't turn it at full throttle on an autocross course. As it turns out, it doesn't like that, <laughs> but, <laughs> And the Toyota people get very angry, but it was really fun, and I wish we had an opportunity to have those here. And they say usually they give people like a 15-minute primer on how to use it. Well, we were just ignoring that and right. driving because it's got a if it's got a pedal on the right and a pedal on the left and a steering wheel. Yeah, what else and as a male, yeah. I think we're all convinced we know how it works, and we're just gonna do whatever we want yeah. and figure it out on the fly. So um, that was really cool. I want to see more of those kinds of things here. It was not fast enough to go on the freeway, though. Well, you could it, use it in a small city, and it would be great, but there's no way in which, you know, I say that, that cuts out a huge swath of your market, especially in the United States, where even you, I'm guessing, have to take the freeway to get to your job in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, I, I do. And so the East Coast is like that. Southern California and the Bay Area is like that. Um, the Midwest is nothing but freeways if you have to go anywhere else. Yeah. So it would never really work out for long-term transportation, but with the model they were talking about, um, and he wouldn't give me a unit price. He didn't want to, he said, we don't have not really built enough of them. I had, he said he had a good idea of what it might cost if they were going to build a lot, but right now the unit cost wasn't worth talking about, which tells me I'm guessing the one we were playing with cost them 150 grand oh, yeah. because the cost hasn't been spread out yet um, over the research because they've been working on it for a long time. And I had wondered what happened to that. Because I distinctively remember in the Top Gear clip, they talked about, oh, it'll be ready in 2012. <laughs> We're in 2017, and I, or it would have been 2016 then, and I still hadn't heard about it. But yeah, I test drove it, and it was great. It's it's a fun time. I wish more people were okay with driving them. Well, it makes me think as we kind of move to this mobility as a you know. I uh, forget the, you know, tech term lingo, whatever it is, mobility as a consumable or whatever the hell they call it. Um, the or mobility as a service, that's it. Um, you know, small cities like old fashioned cities like D.C., Boston, San Francisco to an extent, you know, stuff not built to handle an infrastructure like we have now. Um, and you're trying to incentivize people to use bike lanes, and you're trying to incentivize them to use public transit. Um, I really could see, because, I mean, I've seen the thing in person. It's the sort of thing where if you really wanted to, you could drive that into your house through, like, a storm door, probably. Like, Yeah, you could store... I would agree with that. Or if you had a fancy house with two front doors. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. like, a small... If you're in a 
urban environment and you want a vehicle that you can put in a small garage or a small shed and utilize for groceries and everything, if they allowed stuff like that, like to utilize bike lanes, because God knows, like the bike lanes around here are not being used by bikers for anything. Right. They're just bikers just get out in front of you and then bitch at you for, you know, whatever reason. Like you come to a complete stop at the stop sign. Well, you just blew through it, and that stop sign applies to you as much as it applies to me. So who's at fault here? Um, anyway, right. so, you know, if you just kind of, you know, I feel like we need in, as we get more young people who aren't interested in driving but just need stuff to transport goods and services and that, like, kind of recolonization of urban areas kind of happens, I think right. there's a space between bikes and between cars that kind of needs to be filled. And I do think this is a good vehicle for that. Like, I, I do think, you know, as fun, as much as I like smart cars, they don't really fit that niche as much as something like this or maybe even something like an Elo would. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's just a weird little thought. Like, I don't think it would work, obviously, for long-distance transport. In any way, no, shape, or absolutely form. not. Yeah. I, but that's not what it's for, though. Yeah, but I don't know so. how, because like right now, you're car enthusiast. I mean, for you, you would never buy one of these with your own money unless you had an excessive amount of extra money, right? Like, right. Like even if this or thing was if I grand. like where I live now, I would never buy one. Yeah. If I lived in San Francisco, and I have a theory about this in a second too, when you're done with your point, um. If I lived in San Francisco, I would strongly consider buying one of these mm -hmm. well, if it was for sale. That's kind of where I'm going. Like, you couldn't, you know, myself, one of these things wouldn't work for me where I'm at at all. Maybe if I lived in Washington or New York or Boston or even Chicago, it might make sense. But it still couldn't be, in our current infrastructure setup, the only vehicle I owned. And I think that's kind of like what Toyota needs to figure out of how to market this to people who are enthusiasts and want something, but let's say don't have the space to store it. But on the flip right. side of that, you know, offer that stopgap solution because um, very much like the Fiat 500e, if you bought a Fiat 500, they would give you free rentals um, in larger Chrysler products to go out of state like if you wanted to do a right and bmw trip. did that as well when they started with their um they had i i want to say it was either a three series or a one series electric initially that they were going to do the same thing yeah they but, would rent you a 320d at a really competitive if not free rate yeah like and i think that's kind of what you need to i think that's what toyota needs to find is that how do you sell this to everyone in a city but give them the option of having something else to take out of the city. And that's kind of like where that, you know, because I don't think you could do it if you said you have to still pay for that rental vehicle that takes you out of the city. It needs to be right. something included in the price. So Yeah, or at least a subscription-type system. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that, that's a good point. At which point you're talking about Get Around or Zipcar, which I don't know if that's a thing over there. But here Zipcar is... Yeah. Uh, usually used by college students, but at that point, just just get Zipcar. Don't even bother. Yeah. Here's a question I have. Yeah, the DC area 
where you live, is there a light rail station nearby? For define nearby. Uh, is it bicycle distance? No, it is not. No. How long of a drive is it to your light rail station? Mm, probably about 15 minutes, I would say. 15 minutes? But there's highway so... in there, so that's why it's not bicycle range. So Okay. If, you know, I was thinking about it just now. I wouldn't buy that unless I lived, like, in the heart of San Francisco. But if I lived in, say, I don't know, and people from California will understand this, if I lived in Fremont or Concord, which is, you know, nearly an hour's drive to San Francisco, yeah, I would, and they had a two train cars on every BART train, which is the um, light rail for the Bay Area. Yeah. They had two cars on the BART train where you could drive your that size of vehicle onto the train. I would pay double the regular fare to have that. And then have the light rail take you from whatever commuter city you live in that's, you know, 30, 40 miles from where you work and just ride the train like everybody else to the city you're trying to get to and then drive the car off. Because you only really need, even with public transit, if you're and of course, if you're somewhere with as good a public transit as San Francisco, you would say, well, then why not just take the bus when you get there, which is a valid point. But if if you're really sold on you want your own space or you've got to carry a bunch of groceries or whatever, have a spot on commuter trains where you can and you'd have to park them kind of um, side by side yeah. down the length of the train so you could fit as many as you could. Um, but. They usually, like BART trains, you can run, I think, 13 cars. And each car, fully loaded, probably holds 30 or 40 people, maybe more. And then there's seats for probably 30 or 20. Mm -hmm. um, but you could cram a lot of people in there if you're standing. But if you had a car that big, I'm guessing you could fit at least eight of those onto a commuter train, just kind of like platform, flatbed style. Just drive it up, you know, do figure out a system to lock it down. Yeah. And then have it take have the tr you know the train take you to wherever you need to go, and then get off, mm -hmm. and then drive it around. And you haven't used up any of your range. You've used ten miles getting to the station, so you still have forty left to get to work or wherever it is you need to go, whatever errands you need to run. Hell, charge it while it's on the train. Well, I was gonna say yeah, you could, you could charge it while it's on the train, and you have a good system. And you know they're tiny. You could probably double stack them in there somehow. Um, and... Well, th then you're involving more infrastructure. I'm thinking just as cheap as possible tack a train on because they never run full lines they always run every anytime i'm in the bay area they're always running nine and seven car trains and not 13 car trains or 10 car whatever the max is they're never at the max yeah i'm just thinking you could put like a little elevator or something inside the train and just go and lift it up right yeah like not like something fancy like you could literally Roll in there. Well, it's already... You couldn't stack them too high and still fit in the tunnels. I don't know about the metro rail there, but the metro rail in the Bay Area, it's tunnels constantly. Uh, I don't point. think you have enough yeah. room to stack them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking the I'm vehicle's thinking... so short, you could fit it inside one train, one on top of the other, is what I'm saying. Because they're only, like, maybe, what, like, three feet tall? The actual... No. No. The one I drove was probably five feet tall. Five or six. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. It is taller than that. Yeah. Because you're sitting pretty upright in it, and it's 
the passenger pods off the ground by probably eight inches at least. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. No, did that that's a good point because a you could because I'm thinking like the hometown I grew up in, uh, Naperville is a good example of this. So in the Midwest, and a lot of times when people say this, like, well, how do you sell to people in the Midwest? So in the Midwest, you get a lot of central hub city, and then you get right. offshoot of, I wouldn't call it light rail, but it's like medium rail, like train transport. So, yeah. um, and there's still a lot of old cow cars and all that stuff that's out there. You So from my house, if I was in a vehicle that could travel at least maybe 50 miles per hour, which I guess is about how fast these things could probably go. These, they were saying 50 is a struggle. They're saying yeah. you can do 40, but 50 is a lot. Yeah. So even so, 40 miles per hour, that would still take me five, ten minutes to get to the train station. Put it on the train, and then that's from the train, even if it hits every stop, that's an hour into downtown Chicago. And it would be a great little system because there's, you know, a lot of like little fun stores in Chicago where you can like go grocery shopping, get your stuff, put it in the vehicle. And then you like if you were the crazy person on the train with like eight grocery bags, that would be or even two or three grocery bags. That'd be a giant pain in your ass. Whereas right. you could put it in the vehicle, the vehicle stored and you could either I don't know if you would sit in the car and that way you don't have to interact with the public or if you go sit in the train. But either way you got a good little system of getting there and back. And I do think that's a very good point. And I don't know why um, no one's thought of that because it's such a smart system. Maybe that's what Toyota's working on as their mobility as a service plan. I mean, Amtrak should get on right. that for fuck's sake because that's the only way they're going to stay in light. And, you know, <laughs> they have I've, one car I've tried on numerous works. occasions to take mm-hmm. Amtrak places, and every time I'm about to buy tickets, I hear enough stories from somebody I know to say, don't. Yeah, which when you're an underfunded company, which I don't know if you can really call it a company or rather a government service, but either way, when you're underfunded, I can see why that would be the case. But yeah, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it, it's so ridiculous that they. I mean, really, we probably shouldn't be talking about this podcast. You should be out there talking to Toyota and trying to get them to do this because it makes perfect sense. I think you've. I think you found the thing you need to be pushing for and like this is your new startup business like uh trikes on trains i think that's the uh business name there you go something yeah. like that mm-hmm. I, or, I gotta get that website let me check and see if it's available hold on yeah. trikes but, on trains yeah <laughs> <laughs> or um i don't know because it's the bar system i don't think they will work. but trike would have to be spelled a funny way so right well, it's always got to be a little bit different that way you catch people's eye yeah like oh they which back in the olden days was just called misspelling shit. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, so, let's talk about you bought a Camry here. Uh, we we got to bring that up before we lose you for the evening because after I'm done recording here, I am going to go pack some shit and pass out. So uh, let's make sure next. we talk about uh, what why you decided to buy another Camry. So my fiance had a CRV. The infamous CRV with the permanent VTEC. Yeah. Um, because the little intake runner thing would stick open, which was great. It was really loud, but not in any way fuel efficient. Um, the AC eventually died, and I think it's been long enough. I feel comfortable telling the story. I finally got to where I got 
a little bit of tax money back. I got, you know, I had a little bit of money saved up. It's like, okay, this would be the time I go buy the car because I'm, I, I hate making payments on anything. I hate having to pay for um, insurance. I pay my insurance every six months or every year if I can because I, I don't like paying monthly stuff. That pisses me off. Yeah. So it's like, I need to get the car payment low. So I was able to put down, I was like, I'm going to put down half of whatever it is I buy, which, you know, immediately limits me to a pretty set price range. Um, I had been talking to you guys about what I should get. I keep looking and, uh, and it comes down to, I really just need something to be reliable that I can count on every day that I'm never going to have to take to the shop. Um, we looked at, you know, Acura TLs. We looked at Priuses. We looked at RAV4s. And finally, one day, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to go get a car. I'll text you and ask if this is okay because she had to watch the baby and it's hot. Her car didn't have AC. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to CarMax and see what they'll give me for the car. Just so I have an offer sheet hanging around so that if I do end up trading it somewhere, I'll have, yeah, you know, leverage, I guess. So Honda CRV, 207,000 miles, 02, no options, all wheel drive, no AC, automatic transmissions, iffy. What would you pay for that if you were a dealer? If what do you think I... the dealer trade value would be on that? I'm going to guess because you're asking me, I'm going to go with 2200. It blue booked around 500 bucks and CarMax gave me 2 grand cash. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go with so A. They must not have checked the AC or yeah. something. I don't know what happened, but they offered me 2 grand for it and I signed the paper so fast <laughs> because I was never going to get that much for it anywhere else ever. Yeah. I was getting a lot of offers in my hometown on Craigslist at like 1200 bucks. So Two yeah. grand was like, yep, done. I'm not even going to talk about it. Let's just do it. Yeah, Just, no, that, just that, do it now. I'm not, I don't even want to go look at any cars yet. Just, just give me the check. I'm good. That's nuts. So that, I went and got the, I went and got that. And then, of course, I'm down in, um, I'm down in Sacramento, in the Sacramento area. Because up here, up in my hometown, they do that uh, market pricing where they gamble on you're not willing to drive down to the main city to buy a car, and so they jack the price up by about 15%, Yeah, somewhere like that. So, like, the Subaru dealer. What? It's a lazy tax, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And my my family falls for it all the time, too. They have me help them get cars, and then it's like, you know, if we went down to Sacramento, we could get this car for probably three grand cheap. Nope. Nope, can't do it. Can't wait that long. Gotta buy it. I'm like, you're okay. All right, if, I'm telling you, 12 hours tops it would take. Driving down there and back, paperwork, everything. 12 hours, you'll save three grand. That's I don't do the math on what that is per hour. That's yeah. more than you make. But nope, nope, never worth it. So I'm okay going and driving all over the place to go get a car. I'm fine with that. My mother lives vaguely in the area, and I now do not own a car. I don't have a car. That was the car I drove down there. So I had her come pick me up, and we kind of drove around. There's all kinds of auto malls everywhere, and came across a hybrid Camry for 13 grand, but it had these like nine-inch wide wheels, so the tires were going to be expensive because it was a weird size, and aftermarket leather seats, and badges were painted black, not plastic, but painted black. Hmm. I was like, yeah, this was owned by like some asshole kid. It's hybrid. It's going to be a pain in the ass. But fix it. No. And so I kept looking and looking and looking, and I realized I could get 
what was at that point, because the new new Camry came out, it was only a generation, it was the previous gen Camry, like 2013 or 2012 in there. Yeah. Or like 14 grand. Oh. For one, like 70,000 miles. Whereas in my hometown, those were still going for like 20. Yeah, that's nuts. So I was, you know, and there there weren't very many at that low of a price, so I kept having to call places. I called every Toyota dealer within 60 miles of Sacramento. I'd call. I'm going to call, I'll call Fairfield. I'm going to call Roseville. I'm going to call Rockland. All these little cities around Sacramento and in the Bay Area. I called them all. There was finally one. It was an LE. Didn't have very many options. It was a four-cylinder, which all the ones I kept coming across were V6s, and I was concerned about fuel economy and all this. It's, I don't know what color it is. It's just a, um, It just became available to be sold as a used car today. Like, okay, well, I'm going to come look at it. So we drove the 20 minutes down there. I'm kind of looking around on the lot. The guy brings it around, and it is the, I kid you not, same color as mine. <laughs> I now own two beige four-banger cameras. Just one happens to be nine years new. <laughs> and you're so, you're a quote automotive journalist end quote. I'm an automotive journalist. I'm an enthusiast. Yep, absolutely. With so uh, two grounded to the ground cameras. <sighs> that was the grounded to the ground year too, wasn't it? It was. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, that's me. I was really pissed off about it when it turned the corner. I, I like I just turned around and hung my head, and my mother was like, ha ha ha. Serves you right. Like, for what? Mm -hmm. What did I do? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe blue, gray, <laughs> silver, black, They didn't white, come in those colors. Green, they came in beige. Red. Nope, beige. And more different beige. Like, <sighs> No, it was the same beige, too. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's not the same paint code, but when you park them next to each other, like, that is the same color. Yeah. It might have more pearl in it, but it's the same color. Yeah, if you took a picture so. of those two cars... You know, just a body panel. You'd never know which one was which. Exactly. No, yeah, just way zoomed in, you would not know the difference. It's yeah. awful. So, yeah, now I own two Camrys. Yay. Um, it is nice having air conditioning, though, when it was 117 the other day. Here. Yeah, that's bad. That, that yeah. Is, that is so when pleasant. it's 95, you're like, oh, it's cold outside. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, and now yeah. I'm looking for a new car again because I hate driving around a Camry with no AC in my hometown. Mm, so the other Camry had the uh, AC go out. Did you try refilling it? Did. Well, it? The, the AC went out of the Camry when the rod exited the block and took the compressor with it. Oh, that would that would do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's not fun. So. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's me. That's yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, that, that that's is... my Camry uh, deal. I'm now looking for either an EcoBoost Mustang, also fuel efficient but still reasonably fun so if you have suggestions on that let me know mm -hmm. you cut out just a bit there so you said ecoboost mustang and then i picked up at fuel efficient and so. then like a scion frs or the, whatever the subaru one is called that i think you need to get yourself a ford fiesta st because you are an automotive journalist and that's what we all drive right and then you'll also notice that any other automotive journalist I've spoken to says their Fiesta is a pile of crap <laughs> and the wiring harnesses are all going to shit and the AC system has a mind of its own. So I will say on that note, my Fiesta has 
its first issue, which is apparently fairly common, where the recycle door, apparently it's a plastic bit that connects to another plastic bit that's very fragile that's in the motor that broke. So, um, like, there's a gear on the motor with, like, a peg in it that connects to something else, and that broke. So now when I start up the car, I just hear clicking, like... And it's That's like, great. It lasts for about eight seconds, and I'm like, huh, I literally just oh, passed 32,000 miles. Huh? In the AC system? It works fine. It just... Yeah, no, but it, it's coming from, the like, the HVAC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my friend's Mustang does that, too. I kind of yeah. look at him weird every time. It's like, no, no, it's fine. Just, yeah. You just do it. I'm like, okay. I think if you get four to right, fix buddy. it, it's like 300 bucks. So yeah. it's like... I'm either, and I just, I just went out of warranty on this damn thing, so. Of course you. Yeah, like, no, it was literally like, I think they actually did it, because I brought it to Ford, they changed the oil, like, because uh, I, like, on a customer for life thing with, like, oil changes and everything, and the powertrain nice. is all covered for forever, just not the interior, so it's like, I had the extended warranty, because it's certified pre-owned, it had right. just hit 40,000 miles, which is where that ended. So I'm at like 40,100 miles, and I'm driving it home, park it, put the wife in the car, we're heading out to a date, and all I hear is, I'm like, God damn it. And she's like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, <laughs> like this is just going to be in my head on our date this entire time. I'm like, are you Googling what's just wrong with your car? How much is this going to cost? How do I yeah. make it go away? Yeah. Oh. It's like, it's your recycle door, and it doesn't work anymore. I'm like, oh, I can fucking live with it. Like now, yeah, now, now, though, when I get in the car, my daughter, when she drives with me, she likes music and she likes percussion for some reason. And <laughs> so she gets in the car and as it goes, bang, 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 she goes ding, 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 ding in time with it, which is adorable and like super like uh, depressing at the same time. Like this is adorable and depressing. It's adora pressing, I guess, is the word I would use. There you go. So, That's a good word. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. Where where do you stand on forward facing car seats? Um in terms at, at of what age is that acceptable? Um I switched her at one or did we switch her at two? I'm trying to remember. I You're supposed we, to do it at two. I think we switched her at two then, because I'm a stickler for it. So she was getting a little big for it. Um so we switched her right before she turned two. Um Yeah, my daughter's quite lanky. And her knees are starting to come up super high, and it's like, turned around facing a seat cannot be good for, like, development. Yeah. It's one you're those... not seeing, and you don't feel like you're a part of what's going on, and I can't see her, and I'm just, I'm counting down the days until I can turn the car seat around, because it's, it just yeah. looks awful. It, it looks like that's a miserable time. And it's one of those things where the wife is a nurse, and she's very much about, like, when they tell you you need to be this weight and height, they really mean, or like this age and this size, they really mean one or the other. Like you turn around at two or when you hit this height. But on the flip side of that, I go like, well, I just want to be super careful because, you know, you never know. And that's how they get right. you when it's your kid. It's like, you never know. You never know. So yeah. uh, they get you with that shit. So I don't know. I can tell you when we turned her around, it was for the first time it was uh, on vacation in a convertible and like her like you could see her like mind like blue like when we were down the convertible she was like 
what's going on? Is this what I've been missing this whole time? Like, yeah, it was great. See, that's I'm I'm excited to get to that. So yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, it's so worth it. No, it, it's and then there's more interaction at that point. Like, how, right? How old is yours again? I'm trying to remember. She is a year and like eight or nine months. Yeah, I mean it's. But she's pretty. She's lanky. And pretty mobile and pretty interactive. Yeah. So, but when she sits in the back of the car seat, no matter how hard you try to talk to her or whatever, she's like just zoned. And you yeah. can see her kind of trying to like lean her head forward around the seat mm-hmm. to see out the side window. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it, it, it's depressing. Like, is she the same with mine where like you put her back where it's like you put her in the shopping cart and she's facing mm-hmm. at you, but she's like. I want to look forward because that's the way we're going. Like, right. That's why I go to Ikea where you can drive the shopping carts backwards because all four wheels spin. Oh, that's right. And so yeah. I drive them backwards there. Yeah. I like to drive she it sideways. Yeah. Sideways is good. Yeah. I did that before I had a kid just to freak people out because they would look at me like, what the hell is wrong with this dude? Doing it's just right. drift master, bro. Exactly. Track day. V-Tech just kicked Track in. Day. Track yeah. day, bro. Gotta get some <laughs> hater pipes for my cool-ass shopping cart, dude. Oh, uh, I need... I Can you get a bumper sticker for shopping carts? I need a bumper sticker for a shopping cart. Um, I think that's called vandalism. You say tomato, I say tomato. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm starting to get a little delirious here. Ryan, is there anything else we need to talk about before we go for the evening? Uh, I went to Long Beach. It was cool. For the Grand Prix, you should go. Uh, racing's much better in person, especially when there's a huge rager going on. Do it. Rager means hard on, right? Part party, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I meant like in a race. Just a huge, just a huge bash. Oh, okay. Like just yeah. cool. Everybody's drinking, having fun. There's fast cars driving around. It's in a cool city. Go to races. Always do it. Excellent. Well, I think on that note, um, we'll end. Oh, oh, I almost forgot to say something. Um, July. Are we 10th. peddling wares now? Yes, yes. July tenth pre-orders start for the Untitled Car Show T-shirt. It's got a wonderful design on it, and it's the first time we will be basically peddling ourselves out to actually fun shit for the show. So, if you want audio quality to get better, and you want uh, me to go out and do more weird, crazy stuff with bad cars, that's the best way to make that happen. So. Buy one, buy 12, buy one for your friend. So that's how that Perfect. works. Yeah. Um, you should, yeah, definitely buy buy them. Otherwise, yeah. uh, we'll end up pouring on the streets as mm-hmm. if we're not already. If you want me to buy a shock collar, which is web-enabled for me to shock Ryan when he's not writing stories he's supposed to, this is how we fund that. That's a good idea. That's 100%. <laughs> we should be, yeah. It'll fund that. It'll fund my first-class airplane ticket every time I want to go out and do the podcast live with Ike. Mm-hmm. You, you, you we'll, know what? We'll I beg you, though. Um, we should make it so if we do get you a shot collar that's web-enabled, because I'm going to do some research on this, um, <laughs> what, you save your email receipt and we'll give you the uh, password to log in and shock Ryan. I think that's, I think yeah, that's a good go. way to do that. No, right? no, no. We'll save that for the premium level of the Patreon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we. That, you're right. Mm, that's a good one. So, <laughs> so buy the T-shirt. It's a good T-shirt. Go pre-order it because if we get enough pre-orders, uh, it'll actually be made. And if it's actually made, then I'm going to get a little bit of money that then I can use to do stuff. 
So and then that kind of proves to me like, you know, proof of concept. People listen. They like it. And we'll actually spend some money on some stuff for it, which means I can start putting out other purchasable items. So, yeah. Excellent. Keychain yeah. would be good. I would do a keychain or a lanyard. That, that's what everyone said. I said, no, T-shirts. So like, well, you use a keychain in the car. Yeah, but you also have a shirt on in the car. Like, oh, yeah. Nah, nah. I think keychain <laughs> and lanyard. I think that's that's the way to go there. Well, well if you want a key shirt, or if you want a T-shirt, if you want a... Uh, T-shirt, yes. With, shirt a, with a key on it. That would be awesome. Tesla will work on that. If you want a lanyard or a keychain, um, the best way to make that happen is to buy the T-shirt because then we'll be selling more other stuff. So that's how that works. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Exactly. So, everyone, uh, thanks so much for listening. Have a good night. Have a good evening. Um, Make sure you go follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan80122. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at uh, Untitled Car Show. Our Instagram is at Untitled Car Show. Ryan, do you have an Instagram? Is it the same thing? No, it's not. Well, the Instagram I had is not, and I, I need to start a new one is where I'm at on that. Now that I have my iPad hooked in with my DSLR, I can start doing it again. So I need to make a new one. That'll be pending. Right. By next month, I will have one. Or I might just give you the Untitled Car Show one because I have no idea what I'm doing on Instagram. Um, and uh, Perfect. No, I, I will do that. Excellent. And then uh, the Facebook account is at Untitled Car Show. So uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, please be safe out there. And Ryan, do you have a sign-off? Uh, yeah, have your pets spayed or neutered, everybody, please. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right, thank you, Bob Barker, and have a good night. <laughs>